good morning, Bettendorf Christian Church family. So good to see all of you, and I'm so excited that you're here this morning, either joining us in person or, or online. Uh, my name is Barry Steiner. I'm the family and student pastor here at BCC, and I'm also serving as the interim senior pastor as well. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, go ahead and grab those and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and just have that ready to go as we get started this morning. Uh, today, we're once again going to be jumping into this series of Are We There Yet? And through this series, we've been asking you each the question, where are you in your spiritual life? Where are you in your spiritual journey? And if you remember this chart that we've been using from Jim Putman's uh, Real Life Discipleship, you'll remember that uh, the stages are the spiritually dead, infant, child, young adult, and parent. And where are you in these stages? I realize this may be getting a little bit repetitive, but I want to remind you that we're challenging you in two ways throughout this series. Uh, first of all, we want each and every one of you to be able to identify by the time this series is over, which of these growth stages that you are currently in. And once you're able to recognize and realize where you are at, you can then know what maybe the next steps are that you need to take to grow spiritually, possibly into the next stage. But we're also asking you to realize what the growth stages are, what these characteristics are, so you could come along the side of another disciple, maybe somebody who's not quite as spiritually mature or quite as far along as you are, and help them move from one stage to the next. And that's what discipling is all about. And this really might take a while to be able to do. I remember, we're in just week four of a 10-week series, and so you're really going to have to wait until this series is over to be able to understand and evaluate what all of these stages are, where you are at spiritually yourself, and then also what to recognize in other people to help them move along. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I wish I could just like binge watch this 10-week series. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? To be able to listen to all 10 sermons, maybe even today. But unfortunately, we're not Netflix, all right? Um, no, we're probably more like Disney Plus. You know, we only release one sermon a week. And, uh, uh, you know, Mandalorian, WandaVision fans, you know what I'm talking about. You know my pain. Um, so listen, continue to hang in here with us. Um, I promise you it will absolutely be worth it if you do. Now today we want to kind of continue to stay in this quadrant up here and once again look at the spiritual infant. And like I said, uh, I know we're, we're getting repetitive. I had somebody talk to me afterwards and say, I did not understand or realize how much there was in the spiritual infant stage. Like there was a lot of note taking today. And, and so it's good that we're able to give you more things than, than just that uh, we did last week. Uh, I want to remind you through the course of this series, we've been talking about how those of you who have not come to know Christ or those that don't know Christ, there's, they're spiritually dead. But once somebody is born again, once they get to know who Jesus is as their Savior, they accept him, they enter into what's called the spiritual infant stage. And, and what we want to remind you is this. This is where anyone who accepts Christ starts. Okay, this is where we start. doesn't matter what your physical age is. You can, be eight, you can be 88. If you accept Christ, you're born again. We start right here in this 
area of spiritual infancy. And, and last week, what we talked about is why. The why we need to grow spiritually. Why we need to move on from spiritual infancy up into spiritual childhood and beyond. And we also looked at what some of the characteristics of a spiritual infant are. Very quickly, I just want to remind you, they were ignorance, confusion, and dependence. Ignorance because spiritual infants don't know much about biblical truth. Sometimes they may mix a little bit of several religions or, or possible cultural beliefs with Christianity because they don't know any better. They're ignorant of spiritual things. Perhaps they've never been taught the Bible, or maybe somewhere along the line they've even been taught false doctrine. They're also confused because they don't know how to replace the old habits, the familiar habits in their life, with the new habits and the new attitudes of what a disciple truly is. As a new Christian, their worldview is changing. This shift that will bring an unfamiliar perspective that can sometimes be really uncomfortable for them. And then there's also dependence, because they cannot accomplish growth alone any more than a baby can feed or take care of themselves the day that they come home from the hospital. It's only natural for somebody who's navigating unknown territory to be dependent on a guide or for an infant to be dependent on their parent. And so this morning, we're going to talk about meeting the growth needs of the spiritual infant, okay? Meeting the growth needs of the spiritual infant and how all of us who have been born again have been called to do that. You know, I once heard a story of Dwight L. Moody. One time he was in London and he was doing one of his famous evangel evangelical tours, and three British ministers came to visit him one afternoon. They wanted to know how and why this poorly educated American was so effective in winning those who were lost to Christ. Now, Moody, he took these three men over to the window of his hotel room, and it overlooked a park, and he told them to look into the park and tell him what they saw. And one by one, each of these men began to describe the people that were walking through the park below. When they were done, Moody stepped up to the window and tears began to just roll from his eyes. And one of the men asked him, well, Mr. Moody, what do you see? And he said this, he said, I see countless of souls that will one day spend eternity in hell if they do not know or if they do not come to know Jesus as their savior. Now obviously D.L. Moody saw people differently than the average observer does because where he saw eternal souls, some people just merely saw people strolling through a park. Moody approached life with a different agenda altogether. He may not have had the best education that others possessed, but he had a heart he had a heart for people who did not know Jesus. He had a, a heart for souls. You know, sometimes those who have the greatest impact for Christ are not the ones with the most talent. Often it is people with a heart and a passion and a drive for the Lord, to serve the Lord, who are the most fruitful for the kingdom. You know, over the years, I've seen God use a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. Sometimes I've seen him use people with no notable talents and zero education, 
little to no experience to do great things for his glory. And though they lack natural uh, talent, what they do is they possess a love for God. And those who love God will love his church and his disciples. This morning I want to share a passage of scripture with you that I think it shows us what it looks like. This is from somebody who loved the Lord, who loved his church, who loved his disciples. And I'm referring, of course, to Paul, the Apostle Paul. And what he's doing here, he's, he's writing to the members of the church of Thessalonica. And in this portion of his letter, we see how much, how dearly he cared for the church. And we get a glimpse into his heart. And while we read this, I also feel like here what Paul does is he models for us or he gives us a model for meeting the needs of spiritual infants. So what I want to do is I want to look at the second half of verse 7 and verse 8 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So if you want to turn there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Again, picking up halfway through verse 7, it says, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. I love this passage because I feel it truly gives us a great picture of what spiritual infants need. Clearly, the most important thing they need is the gospel. They need to hear about Jesus. But what we also see here is that for disciples to mature, to take the next step, to move from infancy to these next stages. They need more mature disciples to share their life with them as well. Because some of the most critical growth needs of an infant, of a spiritual infant, is that they need the personal attention of a discipleship maker. They need a spiritual parent to come along beside them. They need the care and the protection of a parent during this time because it's a vulnerable stage of their discipleship. They need somebody teaching them and modeling for them the new truths of the Christian faith. And they need to have the habits of a believer explained and modeled to them. One Christian leader accurately observed, spiritual infants don't know what they don't know. And how are they going to know if you don't tell them? Infancy can be a demanding stage of life. Now, helping a spiritual infant get established requires both patience and effort. Yet, from the beginning, we want to kind of nudge. We want to push those spiritual infants along. We want to push them towards a personal walk with Christ, one that is independent of our constant care. So one of our jobs is to move them towards spiritual maturity. The bottom line is this, spiritual infants can get stuck. Without a spiritual parent to move them beyond their faulty perceptions and to keep them from traveling down dangerous paths, disciple makers must create a relational environment so that spiritual infants in our care can continue to grow and learn as we share our lives with them. And in doing so, what we'll do is we'll teach them new truth and we will help them develop appropriate new habits as a Christian. So in the time that we have remaining this morning, we're going to look at how every disciple maker can nurture spiritual infants so that they can grow and develop into spiritual children 
by sharing these three important things with them. So I know this was a key word a couple weeks ago, and it's going to be a real key word this morning, and it's the word share. We need to be willing to share with spiritual infants, and the first thing that we can share is your life. You need to be willing to share your life with spiritual infants in order to help them mature and grow in their faith. Because spiritual infants, they need protection and they need care. They need this in order to grow up into spiritual adults because we want them to one day be able to disciple others themselves. And so they need a spiritual parent. They need someone who will authentically share their life with them so they can see the substance behind our words and our actions and correct any misperceptions that they may have about Christianity. A real relationship is important for real learning and real discipleship to take place. So the first way that we can share our life with others is by sharing our time with them. For spiritual infants to be healthy and to grow naturally into childhood, they need someone to take care of them. You can't do that effectively just by coming to church and greeting them on a Sunday morning or even possibly being in a a midweek life group with them. Now listen to me, those things are both good and those things are both needed, but we need to share our lives with those who we are discipling. These things includes, you know, just having a meal together, getting together and just hanging out, having fun. And each of those things, it requires time. We need to be willing to give of our time. It's also important for disciple makers to be available to answer questions and respond to teachable moments that may present themselves. Another way that we can share our lives is just to open them up. And our best example of somebody opening their life to others is none other than Jesus himself. Even though Jesus had thousands of people who were always vying for his attention, who were always wanting his time, he consistently withdrew from the crowd. So first of all, he could spend time with his father, but sometimes he would, you know, get away from the crowd just so he can be intentional about the time he wanted to spend with his disciples. And sometimes he was very intentional about the time he spent with other people, his, his other friends. Um, and so um, I want to look at this example this morning of where Jesus opened his life to people and then what he did with them while he spent time and then what he was able to teach them in the process. And we find this in Luke chapter 5 verses 27 through 32, and this is where Jesus is calling his disciples, where he's going out and he's asking these men to come and follow him. So in verse 27, we begin and it says, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And then Levi, he held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating um, with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Repentance. 
Here's what we see. We see that Jesus calls Levi, who we know better as Matthew. He calls him to become his disciple. And then we see that Jesus shares a meal, that, that Levi invites him to a banquet, and Jesus goes and spends time eating a meal with him and his friends that we find out are these tax collectors and sinners from the religious people. And then when the religious leaders show up and they begin to question the disciples and they begin to question Jesus about why he's eating with sinners, Jesus uses this as a teachable moment, and he teaches them truth. And his disciples, that's exactly what we need to do. If we're going to make disciples, this is a great model. We spend time possibly by eating a meal. And if spiritual questions come up, we use that as a moment to share truth. It's what Jesus did, and it's such a great model for us. Another thing we must do to share our lives with them is be willing to answer their questions that we share answers to the tough questions that they may have. And listen, some of these questions may be urgent. There's some questions you may need to stop everything for to answer that question for them. There's other questions they may text you, and you know what, you can make a decision. I can, I can maybe get back to them tomorrow. But the truth is, spiritual infants will have many, many questions, and we have to be prepared to give an answer. Sharing life means being able to answer these questions because it's true that a lot of times there's a lot of confusion that we need to be able to help clear up by answering their questions about this new faith of theirs. So imagine for just one moment that you're discipling someone and the person you're discipling comes possibly with one of these questions for you. What kind of Bible should I buy? What should I plan to wear to church this Sunday. You know, a guy at work, he said, Jesus is going to return in September. You know, is, is, is that true? I just read where Jesus said that his disciples must hate their families. What does Jesus mean by that? You know, my husband and I, we had an argument over my church attendance. You know, how should I have responded to that? My old pal, he just called me up and he invited me to a party over at his house tonight. There's going to be alcohol and drugs there, but I feel like God is calling me to go and witness. You know, what should I do? My business partner, he just gave me all sorts of reasons why he's going to leave his wife. What should I tell him? How well would you be able to answer any of these questions? Like I some said, some are pretty quick. You can give them a quick answer, but there's some that you may not know the answer to. There's some questions like this that may be a bit overwhelming or even intimidating. And you might be worried that you might not be able to give them an answer immediately. And sadly, I think this is what keeps a lot of us from even wanting to enter a discipleship with somebody. What if they ask me questions that I don't know the answer to? What if I look stupid? What if I embarrass myself or I give them the wrong answer? Listen, if this is the case, if these are things you've struggled with, what I want to do today is I want you to let you know that this is perfectly fine if you don't know all the answers. What's important is that your faith is strong and that your walk with Christ is real and it's evident to them. Because when we're aware of our weaknesses, <laughs> 
what it means is we're going to be more dependent on God. When an infant sees our dependent on Jesus, it will speak volumes into their life. So if you get into a situation where you don't know how to respond, it is okay to tell them that you do not know the answer, but you are willing to find it for them. And then what you do is you go find that answer. Either you study yourself, you call a pastor, you call a more mature friend, maybe your life group leader, and then you get back to them and you show them the answer. You tell them the truth. The important thing is that you learn and grow in your own walk with Jesus because spiritual infants, they will benefit from seeing that growth in you. So the first thing you can do to help nurture spiritual infants is to share your life with them. And the second thing we can do to nurture these spiritual infants and help them become a spiritual child is we need to share new truth with them. So the second thing we need to do is share new truth. Spiritual infants need new spiritual truth because by themselves they won't get very far in their spiritual lives. You know, others, because they're so successful in the world, maybe they're extremely disciplined, they think that if they can make themselves do the right things outwardly, so by their power they do the right things, it means that, you know, they think that they're spiritually mature on the inside. And a lot of times what becomes the result of that is these people, they become prideful. They become prideful because they think it's their abilities and what we see is that their character doesn't mature when this happens because no one has challenged their motives. If you want to share new truth, you have to share spiritual milk. You need to share spiritual milk with them. Listen, we looked at this last week, and we saw how new disciples, they need milk to grow. But we also talked about the fact that if they're going to continue to grow, they need to move on from milk to spiritual food. But clearly, the starting point is milk. And one of the passages we looked at, and I want to look at it again today, was from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, where the author writes, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And the reason I share that is because I want you to see that milk is defined here as the elementary teachings. It's the elementary principle of the Christian life. So when we begin to feed spiritual milk, what we're really doing is we're starting to teach spiritual infants the basics. We can't expect them to move on to maturity unless they begin to understand and know what these elementary teachings are, what these basics are. And I believe some of the basic elementary truths, these teachings that we find, can be found in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42. And what we're really reading about is we're reading about the early church. What, did, what, what were they doing when they first started meeting together? And, and we find that, in, again, Acts 2.42, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And this will be quick, but these are some basic teachings that you can give them. Because we see four things. The first is this, the apostles' teaching. Listen, this is scripture from both the Old and the New Testament of the Bible. They just need to learn the Bible. The second thing is they need to understand about fellowship, and they need to devote themselves to fellowship. This happens in the church, both in small meetings and large group gatherings, when Christians are together to encourage each other in their faith. 
The author of Hebrews, he also writes in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The third thing they need to learn about is the breaking of bread. Young disciples need to understand the importance of communion or the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six it tells us, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And the last thing is prayer. Learning to pray and talk with God is essential for their spiritual maturity and their growth. Now listen, we're going to take a deeper look at a couple of things in just a moment. But before we get there, I want to talk about a really important thing that we need to share with them. And it's about the spiritual battle that surrounds them. New believers many times are not aware of this spiritual battle that's taking place in the world around them. They don't understand that by receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior that they've now become an enemy of the devil. They don't understand that this war is being waged for their hearts and their souls and their minds. And so we have to make sure they are aware of that. Paul tells us about this spiritual battle in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12. Um, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I wish we had time to continue to read through Ephesians 6, but we don't. But I want to encourage you to read through verse 20 at some point. Maybe you need to do it later today. Maybe it's something you can get to this week. But it would benefit you greatly to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 so that you have an understanding yourself of what the spiritual armor is and then how you can share that with those that you were discipling. Paul also tells us in Galatians 5, 16 and 17 that this war is not a pain-free process because he said it's not just happening around us, it's happening in us. This spiritual battle is taking place right within us. He says this in uh, Galatians, again, 5, 16 and 17. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Paul makes it clear here that we are experiencing inner turmoil as believers. New believers need to understand that this internal struggle is truly a part of the transformation process. The fact that they are experiencing this internal war and are aware of their sinfulness and the fact that they're aware of it and they hate it is evidence that the Spirit of God is moving within them. So to continue to help nurture spiritual infants, you need to make sure you are sharing new truth with them. Finally, you need to share new habits. And that lid just got stuck. <laughs> So you need to do new habits, or share new habits, I should say. Whoops. All right, so the first thing, share your life. Second, share new truth. And the final thing is to share new habits. 
New believers need to understand really what a Christian is, what a Christian looks like, what habits do they need to develop in order to grow. Well, I'm going to give you a few, and so get ready to start doing some writing, all right? They need a personal Bible study or a method. You know, one of the things we can do is we can help them choose a Bible that is easy for them to understand. You know, I would recommend maybe the NIV or the ESV. Give them that Bible and, and help them, encourage them then um, to have a regular time of Bible reading. Hold them accountable to that. Challenge them to find a time of day where they're the most alert and most awake, where they can sit down and truly focus and concentrate on the Word of God. Help them develop a Bible reading plan, and maybe the best thing to do is, is just to start slowly. If they don't know anything about the Bible, maybe one of the best places for them to start would be in the Gospels. I would recommend the book of Mark because it talks about Jesus. And it's not that long, so it's easy for them to get into, understand, and finish relatively quickly so they don't feel like, wow, this is taking forever. Another great thing to do is just recommend a version you know, uh, Bible plan to them. It's a terrific app, and the great thing is you can go through it together. And then when you share this habit in your own life, you, you show them how you're reading the Bible, because if you do the plan together, you're reading it, and then you can find times maybe to meet, have lunch, and then discuss what you've been reading. Don't just assume that a spiritual infant knows how to do this. You can't just hand them a Bible and say, hey, start reading. Give them a plan. The next thing we need to do is we need to encourage them to meet together. Be a part of the church. They need to learn the habit of church attendance. Again, not just learn it, but they need to develop a habit of regular church attendance each and every week in both church and small groups. If you remember, for most of them, Sundays have probably been a time of sleeping in or maybe going fishing or playing golf or doing yard work. They use it for their time. It's their day, and new Christians must be taught that they should be devoted to meeting together. The early church did this on Sundays and during the week. You need to help them get involved in the Bible studies and life groups. Maybe depending on their age, get, help them get involved in a children's ministry or a student ministry. And they need to see that you're doing this. And so we need to be here at church every week. We need to be participating in Bible studies, and we need to be participating in life groups. It's that important. Again, we can't tell somebody to do something that we're not doing ourselves. They also need to understand the importance of serving others. We need to use our gifts and abilities which God created in us to serve individually, to serve corporately, all for the glory of God. So serve together. Go do a service project together. We have, a, we have a mission trip coming up this summer. Maybe you grab that person you're discipling and say, let's go do this together. Maybe you get them involved in just serving here at the church on a weekly basis. Listen, they have to understand that they need to pray. We need to teach them about prayer, but I want you to hear this. It, teaching somebody about prayer is not as important as actually practicing prayer. And, and, and so, in other words, infants can learn a lot simply by just praying with us, by us modeling what a prayer looks like. We can show them the example of Jesus' prayer found in Matthew chapter 6. 
So they understand how to pray and, and what to pray for. And there they're going to learn that they should be adoring God through their prayers and confessing their sins and making their requests known to God. We also need to teach infants how they should be giving, giving to others. You know, mature believers want God's glory and the good of others more than they want the things of this world. So infants need to learn to become generous, generous with their time and generous with their possessions and generous with their finances. We should show them what our relationships, what a relationship as a Christian should look like. Listen, we are committed to our marriages and our families. Our marriages and kids should, should appear more important to us than like our jobs or our hobbies. And people should see that and know that. If we're unmarried, we should be committed to sexual purity. You know, we should be committed to other believers. We, we look past their faults, we forgive them, and then we also ask for forgiveness. We let them know that as Christians, we should be humble. Christ himself was the ultimate example of humility, and that's what we're supposed to follow. We, we let them know that God is the one who gave us all of our abilities, that he has spiritually gifted us all in specific ways how we can serve him. We're just merely managers of those gifts, and we use each and every one of those gifts for his glory. And finally, I'm sorry, before we get there, we also need to um, recognize that we are all sinners who are saved by grace, and that's important because we want to give other people the same grace that God has given us. Now, finally, the last thing here is we need to teach them to share their faith. We need to teach them to share their faith with anybody who will listen. Listen, they need to understand that unless somebody knows who Jesus is, that person will go to hell. The best way to share this habit with a spiritual infant is to model it for them. If you don't share the gospel yourself, listen, telling a baby Christian to do it, it's not going to matter. It's not going to work. Encourage this infant to identify a list of people in their own life, people they know who may not know Jesus. Begin to pray for that person. Maybe sit down together and begin to pray and ask God that he would just to begin to soften their hearts, that they might come to know Christ and that Christ would give them opportunity to share and then celebrate what God has done. Now listen, this lifestyle, it may be strange for new believers, which is why we must help them understand the why and the how of discipleship. God has given us his guidelines for our good and for his glory. He loves us very much, and just as any good parent sets rules for their children, God does the same thing for us, his children. So as we begin to wrap up this morning, I want to remind you that every disciple maker can nurture spiritual infants so that they can grow and develop into spiritual children by sharing your life, by sharing new truth, and sharing new habits. But why should we do this? Why should we invest in the life of an infant? Well, because Christ asked us to. In fact, he commanded it. We've been going through the Great Commission, and remember, it just says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, then he has commanded you to make disciples and to teach them. Secondly, we do it for the blessing. 
the blessing that God gives us. If you've ever been a part of leading somebody to Christ, you know that there is such a blessing that comes with it. It's a blessing because it helps us grow in our own faith, in our own relationship with God. So doing the things that we talk about today, it becomes a blessing in our life. And my prayer is this, that by investing in the life of a spiritual infant, you will come to know this blessing. Now, before we close in prayer and we sing a final song of worship, I just want to remind you, make sure you're here next week and join us. We're not talking about spiritual infants anymore. We're going to start talking about spiritual children. And so I pray that you'll be here as Evan begins to lead us through that. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. And God, I just thank you that you've called us all to discipleship, that, Lord, once we came to know you, God, we don't just get to sit back and wait for heaven. No, Lord, you've called us to share this word with others. And so, God, help us to do these things. Help us to share our lives. Help us to share these new truths. Help us to 